The New Testament reading today is from Ephesians chapter 1, um, 15 through 23, and I'll read it now. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, or that the that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know that the hope, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above the rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him, who fills everything in every way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, God. First of all, I would like to thank every one of you for the encouragement that you've given me this past week. Um, I was a little taken aback because I wasn't sure how everybody knew that this was going to happen. If it was me, I didn't even know only for the fact that I was doing it. And Hannah and I were sitting there wondering, how does everybody know this? Why is everybody calling and texting and sending Facebook messages? Well, turns out we were a little lazy and forgot to check the mail for the past week. (laughs) And we didn't read the first light. Um, Thanks, Rory, for that. Um, So, unpaid advertising. Read the first light, and then you'll know when there's going to be an audible. (laughs) This really shows all the encouragement that you've given. really shows me how loving and faithful this church is. And that's exactly what Paul has praised the Ephesians for here. For being, for loving God and loving people. For their faith in God and that evidence of loving everyone that they see. And that's what we want, right? That's what we all aspire to be. uh, Jesus' greatest command was that we would love God and love people. That's that's what we want. Don't we all sing that everybody would know that we're Christians by our love? Don't we all aspire to hear Jesus' voice tell us, well done, good and faithful servant? I imagine being in Ephesus reading this for the first time and thinking, man, you know, Paul's right. We've got it. We're loving. We're faithful. That's everything that we need. You know, we can leave right now, go to McAllister's, beat the Methodist over there. We're good. 
And then being really confused when Paul decides and writes that he was going to pray for us. What could he possibly have to pray for? He already said we were good. He already said that we were loving. He already said that we were faithful. Isn't that all that we need? Paul prays, and I'll read it again, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts opened that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. But why do we need that prayer? If we are faithful, isn't that evidence enough that we know who God is? And don't we know who God made us to be if we're loving? Why, why do we need this prayer? The reason we need this prayer is sometimes it's hard to see in the darkness. It's hard to see who God made us to be. It's hard to see God's love for us. The reason it's hard is because sometimes it takes something more for us to see that God loves us. It's hard to accept that grace. And it's easy to lose sight in what our hope is. Have you ever felt that God just can't reach you in a certain situation? That He's forgotten you? And surely He didn't come to save you. That was just a byproduct of Him trying to save the better people. In these times, the gospel message is needed more than ever. It's there to show us who God is and who we are because of Him. You know, a couple weeks ago, we got a new dog that we were planning to adopt. We ended up having to take him back, unfortunately, because of behavioral issues with our other dog. But I learned a lot about him that past week that he stayed with us. I learned that he had a real passion for interior design. (laughs) Surely that was the reason why he chewed on the staircase because it was out of proportion with the rest of the hallway. And surely that's why there was bite marks on the arm of my my couch because he was trying to rearrange the furniture to get a better feng shui. You know, I could repair the stairs. Um, I've done that before because our dog has a habit of biting on the stairs. Um, But the couch... When I saw that couch, I was a little angry. And the reason was because that was one of the first pieces of furniture that Hannah and I had purchased when we moved into this house shortly after we got married. Um, And we bought it for a specific purpose to be the centerpiece of this room in the way that we intended it to be. So in those ways, it had become a little bit more than just a couch. So after I got through that initial angry phase, I started thinking, what can I do to fix this? 
How do I remedy, remedy this? Do I, you know, patch it up in that one spot? Maybe I'll go get it reupholstered. Maybe I'll go take a crochet class at Hobby Lobby so I can make a doily to cover it up. <laughs> but then I realized that I had purchased a pet warranty <laughs> for the couch. And that's at Ashley's Furniture. So if you guys want a pet warranty, they offer one there. Um, and the great thing about that is they're going to replace the couch and it's going to be brand new. But even though it's brand new, the memory of the fact that it was damaged in the first place will always be there. It's always going to be part of the story of that couch now. And that's a lot like the gospel. We're the couch. God placed us in the garden as a centerpiece of his creation. He called us very good. He loved us. And falling into, into temptation, we thought that our plan for our life would be better than the one that he had for us. We saw our purpose as greater than his purpose. And ever since then, we've been trying to work our way back to him. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting because we don't know what it is we're working for, and we don't know how to accomplish getting back into God's arms on our own. And that just leads to looking at what other people are doing, trying to one-up them or trying to mimic their actions. Yeah, they're doing good. I'll, I'll copy that or I'll do better. And that leads to judgment, that leads to separation, that leads to anxiety. And it just gets so tiring. Now enters Jesus, the one that died for us, our Savior, the risen King, the one that loved us so much that he would lay his own life down for us. Because of him, we're new. The old man is cast away, and a new man now stands in his place. But just like that couch, that brokenness is always going to be part of our story. But the great thing about this story is that grace is free. We didn't have to do anything for this. It's not us. If it was up to me, I'd still be in the same place, being tired of comparing myself to other people. His love shows us that we're new. But the problem is that even though we're new, we don't always feel new, do we? We don't always feel like that old man has passed away. The thing is that new creation is immediate, but seeing it takes time. It's a transformative process. 
Paul tells the Romans to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Like I said, creation is immediate, but it's a process to see who we are, to see God's love in that. And it's not going to be until we see Jesus face to face. It's not going to be until we see our reflection in his loving eyes that we truly get this. And unfortunately, there's still places where we hide from God. I'm sure you can think of places in your life where you know you're new, where you've seen this transformation take place. And there's other places where you don't think God can touch that. You feel darkness there. You don't think that even God's love can expand to that place. But I'm here to tell you today that His grace can expand to those places. You are new. Be encouraged by that. So, a little bit about me. I am half blind in my right eye. I had to make sure I was pointing to the right one. I do that all the time. Um, And I can see shapes, cloudy images out of that eye, but I can't read anything. And that typically doesn't cause me any problems unless I'm trying to get a driver's license or something and I have to take an eye exam. So a few weeks ago, I had to get a driver's license and I had to take an eye exam. And I was deathly nervous about this, probably more nervous than I am now, um, because I was afraid that I wouldn't get a driver's license, that I would, that I would have to you know, hitchhike home. I even had Hannah come with me just in case they wouldn't give me one. Um, So I walked up, nervous, ready to take my eye exam, put my head in those little binocular things to read the lines of of numbers. And I put my head in, popped my head out, and I had read it. No blurriness, nothing. I, I, I read everything that I saw. And I looked at the the driver service guy eagerly, and he said, do it again. It's like, what are you talking about? This must be some formality, you know, maybe this is a way to counteract cheating. So I did it again, and after the third or fourth time, I started thinking maybe I was missing something. Maybe there wasn't something, maybe there was something that I wasn't seeing. And I did it one more time, and he said, He said, you're missing the third column. And I thought, yeah, I would, because that's the the, um, column that has just the right eye, and I can't read out of that eye. But I had forgotten, even though I was so nervous about it to begin with, I had forgotten that I was blind in that eye. And it took that DMV worker to remind me that I was blind for me to fully connect the dots. And just like I forgot that I was blind, often we forget that we are new creations in Him. We forget that through the Spirit, we're gentle, loving, kind, patient. And we even start to believe that we're that old creation again, living in sin, impure, 
Just like I needed that guy. Just like I needed somebody to tell me that I was blind. We need each other to tell us that we are new. What does that look like? What does it look like when a community of loving and faithful people is there to monitor the blind spots that we have? What it's not is judgment, hypocrisy. It's not pointing out the splinter in your brother's eyes when you have a beam in yours. It's not that at all. And it's not the blind leading the blind. It's just reminding each other that we're not blind at all. So we don't fall into this pit of believing that we're, that we're old creations, that we're not new, that God doesn't have a purpose for our lives. Because it's not the case. This is what Paul talks about to the Ephesians later in the letter in chapter 4, talking about speaking the truth in love. Speaking the gospel to each other, reminding each other that Jesus came to save us, came to create us new. C.S. Lewis paints a beautiful picture of this when speaking about heaven and hell. When he speaks of hell, he illustrates a banquet table with food on it and people all around it ready to eat. And the one thing about these people is they don't have elbows. So as they're going to eat, they can't get the food into their mouths at all. And then we go to heaven. Same table, same food, maybe a little nicer, maybe some gold leaves since it's heaven. Um, but the difference, and I think you see where I'm going here, is that they also don't have elbows. And the difference is that they have learned to reach across the table to feed each other. And that's a beautiful picture of what I'm talking about today. This isn't judgment. This isn't hypocrisy. It's loving people feeding each other the Word of God. When I first read this, the Scripture... I thought of us at First Baptist. I thought of the Agape Center. I thought of the music. I thought of Sunday school. I thought of the pumpkin patch, the ecumenical storehouse. thought of when Hannah and I first came here and we were welcomed with open arms. And this was on day one. This was not just a church. This was a group of friends. This is family. This is loving and faithful people. This is us. This is all of us. 